0: Hello and welcome to Decide to Transform. I'm your host, Tomas Garza, and joining me today is my good friend and executive contributor, G.P. Walsh, master spiritual teacher with over 30 years of experience in many, many different techniques, spirituality, and healing modalities, GP joins me every month here on Decide to Transform. And these are wonderful, in-depth conversations where really anything goes and there are no limits. So GP, it's a pleasure to have you back. Welcome. Good to be back. Good to be back, Tomas. This is so cool. It is, it's cool and it's fun, and you listening should know that, that GP and I have some very interesting conversations behind the scenes on this, and we have gone back and forth, and GP has sent me a number of different talks and lectures and materials out there that are of extraordinary depth, and I do mean extraordinary depth insightful, thoughtful, deeply spiritual. And we have a number of these in store for you today. So we are always offering not one, but two shows a month, which are released on the 15th every month. So, well, GP, let's talk about none other than God on this show, shall we? (laughs) (laughs) And The rationale, from my standpoint, on this is, you know, let's talk about the notion and the concept of God, and then, as, as human beings, our relationship to this being, notion, concept. Yeah, let's let's talk about. Yeah. God. All
1: right. Well, let's kind of just try, dive right in into the deep water. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Because I, I mean, God is. Ask any thousand people what God is, and you will get one thousand answers. It doesn't matter how many people you you, you ask. Uh, the idea that there's kind of this in any religion or spiritual practice, there's this homogenous, uni, unified view of what of what their own their own teaching is, let alone what God is. Um, is just it's such a fallacious idea it, it the it's been around for a long time it, you know as whenever we when whenever we got to the point where we could actually look you know look out up into the sky look around and begin to fathom our place within this picture and the fact we didn't know our place that we were just aware of it we're just aware of the way life worked you know the the horror of life eating life <laughs> yeah. you know, that this is how everything survives including us um you know when somebody close to you dies and you know you're having a conversation and the next thing you know they're just this lifeless thing there where did they go i, I mean there's a, a a consciousness awakened in human beings that 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 put us in a place where we started seeing things as they were as they actually were and hmm. and of course began to wonder what our role in it was and began to wonder where it came from was there a beginning was there an origin to it and it's every culture on the planet uh for all time has had its origin story of where it emerged from you know whatever whatever and it, it was always they were mythological stories. These, uh, these people, contrary to popular belief, the, 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 these people did not believe there was some big being up in the sky that was doing stuff, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't know what it was. It was a grand mystery and it would be, but it was personified. So they would look around and they would see this great mystery in everything, right? In the way the plants grow, in the way the, the fox, Uh, Runs Uh, They would just look around at nature and see this imminence in it and um, In That's what really grew in uh, into the what you would uh, you would have to consider the Eastern Ideas about God where God was imminence God was in creation. God was one with creation right that everything was in fact god everywhere you look is god as the sufis say wherever the eye lands it sees the face of god so it was like this invisible uh field or this invisible uh essence manifesting itself innumerable times all uh, and the, but the essence itself was was ineffable it was transcendent of all categories. It was neither male nor female. It was beyond even the idea of existence and non-existence. It was—it simply could not be conceptualized because our minds can can only deal in opposites, right? It can only deal in subject and object. Well, it, culture when culture emerged with um, well, a couple of th- couple of things. Culture emerged uh, with agriculture, which is about twelve thousand years ago. And with agriculture came the idea of ownership and property. Prior to that, uh, uh, people didn't own stuff. Matter of fact, agreed. Somebody who wanted more than they needed—sorry—somebody <laughs> who owned more than they needed, wanted more than they needed, was regarded as mentally ill, and and they would be helped, mm-hmm. right? To get over their malady i mean now wow. it's celebrated right so but when my livelihood depends upon the land i'm on and and i look around and there's different quality of land for growing crops and the like yes. all of a sudden there's this there's a value that begins to happen and the accumulation now of property uh, begins to have a meaning right it and status and all sorts of things begin to emerge that didn't exist Prior to that, and when when you get that, you end up getting uh, specialization. You get a stratification of culture. People do special things. Now you have a you have a merchant class, and you have a a um, a priest class, and you got a worker class. These things kind kind of developed, and and then God became the enforcer of the cultural hierarchy. became this principle by which you were this was the way it was supposed to be, that this was ordained from on yes. from on high. Mm-hmm. and and so God is no longer imminent in creation. Now the stories start as creation having this moment and there was this super being and he made all this stuff come into come into play. and that therefore, Religion is being in right relationship with that super being, not union with it, with <laughs> not not oneness, right? But a relationship. And the Abrahamic religions are all like that. For the Jews, it's the law. For uh, it's also the law for uh, for the for the Muslims, uh, for the Christians, it's the law and relationship to to Jesus Christ as they define him. Uh, to be and for their for their for their money, he is God, right? And I won't get into all of that. Joseph Campbell put it beautifully. He said that God is the ultimate metaphor for the self. Ah, uh, yes. Just the this mystery of our own being. And and so there's that's kind of a the brief history the brief history of God, on <laughs> <laughs> decide to transform. Yes. And so, you, but you have completely different ways of life that emerge out of the Eastern tradition, which is imminence, which seeks union or oneness with God, and the Western tradition, which is relationship, which is all laws and ethics and enforcement. And in fact, uh, uh, Christ was regarded as a criminal because he claimed the Eastern view. I am, I and my father are one.
0: Yes. And well, we know what happened. Yes, we there. do.
1: We do, in, we do indeed.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Well, maybe we do. We really have no idea.
0: Ah, okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, yes. And well, so the, as the ultimate metaphor of the self, it's interesting the distinction between what has come to be the Eastern view and, and the Western view, one that's related to union and the other two laws. And the reason why I thought we would just launch right into the full depth of God is because in some of, um, some of the material, actually, that um, from a talk by Chris Hedges that, uh, mm-hmm. that you introduced me to, by the way, um, that, uh, that I was watching is, yeah, he said something that's very, very interesting to me that I thought we could talk about here on the show. And that is, God is a verb, not a noun. So, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, that's a beautiful uh, uh, a beautiful way to put it. Um, Joseph Campbell m- makes the point that that God was this transcendent immanence. It's really even beyond nouns and verbs, right? Mm-hmm. But we see God not as a thing, but as an activity, the activity of life and living. of growth of development of cycles there's this livingness to everything we experience right be it a it an ant or a tree or a human being and so it it, it is it's not like a static thing and he made the point that in the in the western religions god became a fact
0: (laughs) Uh, A,
1: a historic thing uh right um and and he points out that this the ideas that were around that were that are culturally based to give expression to this, this, this infinite mystery, get concretized in the into the, to the idea that this is what it is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, the culture puts on the costume and, and, and doesn't take it off, thinks that this is what God is. So God becomes a noun, a thing, an mm-hmm. object, a knowable uh, uh, thing and and so the essence of the whole religious experience gets completely lost in that and you end up with war and conflict and all sorts of things because my view is the right view this is the real only true god and yours isn't mm-hmm. yeah. which gives me permission to basically kill you and take all your property
0: how handy (laughs) one would say it's convenient isn't it (laughs) (laughs) yeah yes and i smote them with a great smite (laughs) yeah yes vindictive jealous yes all of those things well so it's interesting that this it's something that that really stands out for, for me here is that it god the god became a fact in human mind and in and, and construct. So did this just happen over time?
1: Well, I think what happens is, is that the, the, the natural tendency and urge for a culture uh, to perpetuate itself tends to want to make its god a thing that is forever endorsing this culture rather than rather than an essence that can mutate morph into anything Mm -hmm. and take any shape whatsoever you know if i'm i and you know cultures just simply emerged out of our natural desire our natural communal instinct and our natural desire to survive and they ended up stratifying and they they kind of evolved into different forms i mean nobody creates culture you know nobody created god it, it, the fact that there is god and gods in every culture is illustrative that there's something deep inside us that's something archetypal archetypal in the human being yeah. but that it's not an accident and joseph campbell uh i think he did one whole book uh, demonstrating the mythological symbols that show up as dreams that he got from from the work of Carl Jung. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, they were they were made of the same stuff.
0: Yes.
1: Um, and, and so the cultures, though, they have a very practical duty, right? Not just, you know, their their job isn't to just always be reaching for the stars, it's to make sure everything's fine and people are doing what they need to do, and the culture survives. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be the tribe, which was interrelated, and everybody had a function within it. It was close, it was more like a family. Uh, so there was a sense of interdependence amongst those as cultures got bigger and people didn't really know each other the the the, the roles you played became increasingly enforced right and a lot of times you had no idea why you're even doing it I mean if I'm right. if I'm a hunter-gatherer I know why I'm doing what I'm doing Yes, I'm playing my parts so that I don't get you know stabbed by the rhino right <laughs> right I gotta be in the right place and make sure that my buddy doesn't either and we're in the right place to actually you know get dinner for the a week um, and, and so we're very clear right and we were yeah. interrelated with nature and so there was this there was a, it was a clarity that we were one with nature that we too were part of this incredible mystery um, and for some reason we were just given the gift of being able to understand it and to um, you know to the to hunter gatherers in, in Africa uh, man was not number uno <laughs> he, he, was, he was number four. Yeah. Number one was the elephant, number two was the lion, number three was the anaconda, and then came man. So they had a completely different view of us within the structure of nature, which is just extraordinary to, to, to ponder. But again, with the arrival of culture, culture took on the, the essential need for survival that used to just belong to an individual in a small group and now the and the small enough that, that 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 the that the survival of the individual and the group were interrelated one did not dominate but when cultures became larger and complex the survival of the culture became more important than the survival of the individuals it was supposed to be serving and that's why a young man gets conscripted and go off to war and You know, that's why you could sell kids into slavery and all all this kind of stuff. It was okay. Right. Because the culture was surviving and that attitude persists to this day.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think we we can see that anywhere we look with people claiming that their building is superior to your building. Our continent is superior to your continent. And we're still
1: sending, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of kids off to die. Um, for our quote unquote national interests. Right. Safety and security of the group. That's correct. It's actually safety and security
0: of the elite. Ah yes, indeed, but of course it's sold to us as oh yes, absolutely. Personal this is in the name of freedom and, <laughs> and democracy and security. And and for those <laughs> listening internationally, GP, it's no mistake that GP and I are seated right now in the United States. So, <laughs> no no mistake right. whatsoever. However, <laughs> yes, here we all are, and and you know wherever you are, this is so interesting because now we have this situation where the culture aims to preserve itself and makes of god of the essence of being whatever it wants it to yes. be so you have spent the majority of your life involved heavily involved in spirituality in practice and in spiritual teaching so what to, what would you say uh, to people that that have such a negative concept of god or a fearful concept of god that they back off of spirituality completely
1: well i certainly get it you know mm-hmm. i've i've talked to atheists and they say uh,
0: and they say
1: and they say i don't believe in a god and i said you know what i don't i don't believe in the god that you don't believe in too
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah right
1: <laughs> and 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 let's face it you know people are, have seen what it does They've seen the world it creates, the the kind of incredibly brutal behavior it justifies, um, and 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 then, and so this picture of this brutal, cruel psychopath, <laughs> you know, that is supposedly the supreme being, um, of course we're going to reject it. Um, the 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 cultural religions. Um, which are, uh, which are a reduction of religion that, you know, where God is the enforcer of the rules of the, of the culture have done nothing but damage, uh, kill, maim, rape, pillage for millennia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and all justified and uh, um, encouraged um, all of uh, all of the, this very warlike nature um so anybody who sees that looks at the consequences of it um, may think that it, they're that way because of this particular god, but it's the other way around. They have that god because this is the this is the basic uh, this is the basic greediness uh, that gets inculturated when a when a when a culture or group a ruling group in the culture just has a lust for more and more and more and more that's it. empires forever have been going all the way back to the uh, e- egyptians empires build um, not to spread democracy but to to accumulate increasing wealth and then and then they'll run and somebody beats them and then somebody else is the empire and this is it going you know all the way you know the 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 prior to the u.s which is now the empire that's trying to conquer the world it was it was britain um there were um, there was the, the the persian empire the franco empire before the before the britain right so this has been going on for a long time and they've all had their gods right that had uh, had justified that and so you, you combine that insight into the kind of the kind of fruit it is actually born um, with the superstition of it right the the Spanish Inquisition right I mean making Galileo re, re, recant right? <laughs> um uh, all sorts of things uh, uh da vinci actually devised a different way of writing that he, only he could read so nobody would read his notes <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> to to protect himself sure. right yes.
0: um
1: and and so you know the blossoming blossoming of science was such a shot in the arm for for the intellectual development of human beings mm-hmm. because now we had a way of substantiating something without that can go beyond just because i believe it now science has its limits which we're bumping into the to the ends of because there's nothing in science that makes you ethical Um, but you can see how people don't want to get stuck in something that is that is simply a belief why is it true because i believe it to be true and it says so in this book well how do you know this book is is true well because god said so right i mean there's a there's a cycle of willful ignorance there that isn't willing to check i mean the archaeological record if you look at the history of the bible almost none of it actually happened they're all stories they were all stories mythologies some actual things some events some some towns were real and and that sort of thing sure um but it was all strung together to make it look like it was a book like it was a like it was a this nice neat little sequential i mean the first two chapters of genesis were written 500 years apart Mm. yeah the adam and eve story the second chapter is actually written 500 years before the first chapter Mm. completely different authors they even have a different name for god in them and yet um and yet people say well this is the creation and then and then he made man and and how that and how that was so the second chapter was all the sixth day i guess this is this is the way it's the way it's thought of Mm. um so I don't even know where we started on that, so I went on. <laughs> well,
0: we just started with the, yeah, no, that's the word right. that's God. Right. Why people, why people go. shy
1: away from it? Yeah, yeah, because we want we want something a little bit more substantial mm-hmm. than that. We want to exercise our intellectual capacity. We don't want to just believe something because because of an authority. Now, we have to be willing to apply that to everything. Not, not just religion, right? To, to the to the medical establishment, to the and, and the scientific as well, as well as political and economic and all these things that purport to be, well, this is the best economic system ever in the world. This is the one that we're supposed to have. Well, yeah, really? We can't do better. No, we can't. <laughs> and you can have that same kind of closed-minded bigotry that is really driven by self-interest and of course if i'm a priest in one of these in one of these uh, <laughs> religions or i'm a billionaire uh, of course i'm going to be telling you that yeah this is the best system in the whole world we're never going to change. god doesn't want us to change it right? mm-hmm. i'm sitting on top of it why would i want to change the rules <laughs> yeah
0: yes well and it's interesting that, that you mention a willingness on on a person's part to if they want something more substantial there. are they've got to question literally everything.
1: Yes. In Buddhism, which isn't a, really a religion in its right. essence, it has religious aspects to it. And obviously the Theravadan, and the, the Tibetan and ethnic forms of Buddhism uh, are religious practices and the like, but the essence of Buddhism is not a religion. Matter of fact, one of the tenets of Buddhism is called the great doubt. Doubt everything, doubt if the Buddha exists, doubt all of it. Now you can't ask a Christian to, to doubt if Christ existed, right? But if they did, they'd actually find out the reality of it. Mm -hmm. And of course we have to want to know the truth more than our comfortable pretty (laughs) lies.
0: Yes. And that of course stops so many people right there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, the culture holds out, if you're believing this, a bunch of people believe it, there's an illusion of safety, an illusion of belonging, and we all believe it. And of course, mm-hmm. if we have enough uh, heavy artillery, we can enforce it on others, so we can make them be- believe it too. Um, this is, the, this is the, the thing about it. We want to believe something because we, we just don't like not knowing. It yeah. makes us afraid. Now, that's, to me, is what's fascinating about uh, Aboriginal cultures, you see, like the, the Native Americans and and even, you know, the Hudson uh, Bushmen, which are still hunter-gatherers like right. you know, we were a million years ago. Um, they don't have that kind of fear of the unknown. They actually embrace the mystery as part of it. And yeah, they have rituals, they're participating in it, but they're not have to understand they're not trying to win the favor of a god they're trying to harmonize with the way things are mm-hmm. it's more of the it's more primitive of the Tao than it is of sure. re- religious worship right i'm gonna you know god is demanding you know the burnt offering right mm-hmm. <laughs> right they didn't see it that way they saw this mystery of nature Which is why they, you know, the they refer to as the the Native Americans refer to it as the Great Spirit, just this this presence that was imminent in everything that was indescribable. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
0: right. Yeah, indescribable. I mean, literally beyond all concepts, words, everything, Mm -hmm. everything. And then, would that be a way then to characterize spirituality as? trying to harmonize with the way things are?
1: Spirituality is is nothing but that. Mm -hmm. Spirituality is not adherence to rules. It's not a particular code of dress. It's not a code of ethics, although it's highly ethical, but it's ethics grow out of an insight into the way things are. It, It is the search for truth. If it's not the search for truth, it's not spirituality. <laughs> it's something else, <laughs> whatever that might, that, whatever that might be. So it, it, it has to be a way of dis- of cutting through your assumptions and a willingness to cut through your assumptions, which means to face that fear of not knowing, to enter fully into the great doubt, right? With nothing to support you, you know, you're, now, you're naked and it's cold and raining, <laughs> Um, but but that's what's required if you're willing to do that you have it you have a chance of that door opening that reveals the whole secret right Right to you not only to you but as you
0: (laughs) yeah right exactly yeah would you say some more about that not to you but as you but as you
1: yeah that's the wonder of it because we we want to know this the secret of the universe we want to know the truth And then we discover that we, that, that that's me, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's really what I've been looking for the whole time. I've been looking for the truth about me, the truth of me, the truth as me, right? It's like a song going, looking for music, right? Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You are the music, my friend. And I mean, the deepest spirituality is not a concept. It's not an idea it's not a, a practice or a religion, it's not something that you go, oh, now I know. It's, oh, now I am. The essence of it is the I am. Mm-hmm. That sense, uh, uh, to, to really, to discover God is to simply find within yourself that place that simply knows its own existence, that sense of your own being. That's the I am. That's exactly what Moses found. That's I am, that I am. Moses disappeared. And it was just his discovery through the burning bush, right? Which is a metaphor. The, the, the Hebrew word of burning means a mental turmoil. He, he was actually describing his own just inner turmoil about his life and, you know, as his search, and he was on the mountain he was standing on where he saw God was called Ma- uh, Ahoreb, w- which is Hebrew for desolation. <laughs> mm. I mean, huh. his, everything had fallen apart around him, and there was just this burning inside that wouldn't be quenched. And finally, it says, out of the midst of that burning, he hears a voice, it says, Moses, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. That's the real burning bush. It wasn't some, you know, in, incombustible <laughs> shrubbery. Uh, all right. Yes. It was a burning inside, that burning to know, that burning of disillusionment uh, with, with the world and, and what it has to offer, um, the desire to know the truth that finally cut through all of that and he saw deep into his own heart. And what he found at the center of his being was what we call God. And, and out of that came, for him, came the law, which he himself said he looked forward to the day when the law would be written on our hearts, uh, which, is what, which is the fulfillment of Christ in that where it became not about the law, but about love. Mm-hmm. And it's just marvelous when you understand the, whole, the, the mythological significance uh, uh, behind all, all of these things, but that's real spirituality is, is that looking within and finding right at the center of you closer than close. Intimate is too far away. It yes. is you. Yeah. Now you just don't know the truth. You are the truth. That is the consummation of spirituality. You just don't know about love. You are love itself. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, we, each of us, uh, we are the answer we've been looking for. We are indeed, yeah. Yes, and there are relative to the human population in general, so few people who are willing to ask these questions and sit in the great doubt. Mm-hmm. So in your life, in your experience, what has helped you to sit in the great doubt and stay there when you wanted to run
1: um my life falling apart uh, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> believe me it, oh, yes, it was I not do. this noble pursuit <laughs> <laughs> <On my part. laughs> mm-hmm. it, it, suffering no that's it that's the purpose of suffering is to mm-hmm. turn you inward that's that's the only reason it exists. Um, something has to quench our thirst for simple pleasure, and for simple accomplishment and 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 comfort. Not that there's anything wrong with those things, you know. I don't. I'm not urging anybody to take a vow of poverty or celibacy or anything like anything like that. Uh, I won't. <laughs> <Me> neither, <laughs> but. Um, But to put it into context, that's all very well and good, but it isn't going to reveal to you who you are. And all of those things will fail you at some point. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was riding high at times and it crashed and I went and But there was enough spiritual maturity that I recognized that I had just received the cosmic two-by-four once again and and to remind me that all of this is transient and you know after a while you mature to the point that 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 deep inner query or that you know that place you find uh, isn't disturbed by the ups and downs of life so when it's great it's good this will pass and when it's bad that's okay it too will pass everything everything is going to come and go and what we're looking for is that which doesn't come and go mm-hmm. that isn't just an experience right just not You know, uh, spirituality is not a peak experience. It's not a high, it's not perpetual bliss. It is total equanimity. It is the complete surrender to the inevitable. It is the the being, the fully embracing being the ordinary human being. That's enlightenment.
0: Yeah, yes. And of course it's undertaken by so few people, yet here we are in a day and age where every spiritual tradition in the world is readily accessible to us. (laughs) And you've been teaching for decades. So tell us a little bit about how you, for for a listener that may not be familiar with your work, how do you go about it as a spiritual teacher? Well...
1: When you've been teaching uh, long enough and are interested in how to teach as much as what to teach, that it's very, it's very, you know, just because you know something doesn't mean you can teach it. That's a whole different set of skills that need to be cultivated. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Some, you know, like music, it comes more naturally for some than others. But, but uh, one has to uh, to begin to learn. it starts. It's actually part of the spiritual process of the opening of the heart that makes you sensitive to others, sensitive to the to the various things that people are going to going through. Yeah. Your own suffering it makes you acutely aware of the fact that that suffering is a is the is the common denominator in, in humanity, and, and and that and that just naturally opens a, a compassion within you. So, so that it matures to the point where nothing is offensive and you can be with any kind of suffering even when there's nothing you can do about it, which, mm-hmm. is, which is often the case. And you just with it in, in compassion. Out of that, the more your own ego falls away and the more the heart is open and compassionate is there, the more access you have to the human heart, the more you can see the various levels of, of human understanding. And when you can, then this is the skillful means that Buddha refers to. The ability to speak to a particular level or state of mind in a way that they can understand it. And in a way that just kind of nudges them up towards that next level. Through metaphor, through humor, through cajoling through, uh, I mean, all the different tools that are available to you in any, in communication. Um, but it's always targeted directly at whoever you happen to be speaking at because it doesn't do any good to teach calculus to a third grader. They're just not gonna get it. You gotta teach them arithmetic. You got to take them a, a step a step at the time. Um, and that's, that's on the teacher. It's up to the teacher to build the bridge not the other way not the other way uh, mm-hmm. way around and so I, i've just gotten sensitive uh to where people are so mm-hmm. i can i can hear the question behind the question yeah i can feel the energy i can you know uh, uh, oftentimes they won't even know how to ask the question uh, and i'll i'll get it anyway sure you can feel it it's an energetic yeah. thing there's something communicates that is way beyond the words
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and you become increasingly sensitive to that and if, if you know your subject well enough <laughs> and are and 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 are versed in in ways all the different kinds of ways in which you can communicate um then you just find the right way to to say it and 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 the right in just the right just the right energy and just the right time you know sometimes I'll. Uh, I I won't be spiritual with somebody at all, right? They're suffering. The first thing I'll do is alleviate their suffering. If they're hungry, feed them first. Sure. Well, that's a spiritual mm-hmm. lesson, right? <laughs> you know, if they're if, you know if they're broken hearted, don't you know don't try to get them to transcend the broke. Be there in the broken heart with them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, be that comfort. Bring them there. Let them be with their grief long enough. And the, the natural process will fulfill itself, and then and then it's opening. They they become open once again. So it, it's it's an art. It's it's really all I can, I can I can say about it. It's it, it's an it's an art. And, and there was a time when I I didn't know that, and I would just kind of drive home what I thought was the right way, and lo and behold, it it didn't work.
0: Um. Sure.
1: <laughs> you know, and eventually you kind of again you stop thinking, oh, they're so dense they don't get it. And you go, no, no, you're you're so arrogant, you're not teaching it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Oops. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> y- y- yes, right. And uh, you know, it's just it's so interesting how multifaceted it really is. Because people on the outside looking in we will look at someone like yourself who's teaching and there's a comparative reality that sets in for people who might think oh well it must be easy right must be easy this guy had it easy oh yeah i had it easy (laughs) (laughs) if
1: i had had it easy i wouldn't be doing this Mm -hmm. yeah i would have been some doing something else and I could have put this off for another five lifetimes. Who knows? Oh, maybe, maybe more.
0: Yeah. Maybe more. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, we're all doing it for, for a reason. Now, yeah. what would you say to someone who is, is really, uh, if you, you feel like they're really, maybe they feel like they're really ready to sit in the great doubt. They're ready to question everything. Where would you direct these folks? Because people have, have a, a, a hunger, a, a Real burning desire for a practice with depth.
1: Yes, and thank God they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the 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 milk toast candy ass practices of the past, you know, have have really worn thin. Mm. You you know, I like to Mm -hmm. point out that The Secret came out in 2006. Law of Attraction is on everybody's lips and the world is 10 times worse off than it was. So, uh, so much for that. Um, Where I have people start is most people these days, especially in the West, not as much in the East, but they have a different kind of heritage. Um, People in the West don't even know where in is. Say, you look within, they go, where's that? Pancreas, mm-hmm. over there by my lungs, by my spleen. Um, they don't know, they, they don't have any criteria for the inward journey. So I start very, very simply. I mean, I actually just re-released uh, my, the third edition of uh, the, the audio program I have called Just Allow It, oh. mm-hmm. in which I teach the yeah. yoga of allowing and it's my most popular course people are still using it 10 years later it's the first it's the first thing i ever produced no, right <laughs> yes the first a- actual uh, digital course i ever ever produced obviously i taught live and stuff before but this first time i did that and so i start really with just simply simple body awareness becoming aware of your own body of your own breath of the feeling of your body and And the more you do that the more you become aware that the experience of your body the sensations and the like and your thoughts about it are not the same yes and you can begin to see how you've been living in the mind interpreting events and that interpretation is isn't necessarily true and that seeing is itself a very naturally natural coming into the great doubt. But it comes in in such a way that there's something very solid there. There's the experience of my body, there's the mm-hmm. experience of this presence, and all the sensations, all the things that are going on. And, 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 and a sensitivity begins to develop. And as the story dissipates, you find that the your relationship with all your feelings and sensations and the like begins to shift. You begin to f- come out of resistance to them i'm not supposed to feel this i'm not supposed to feel that and instead you just simply feel it it loses its um its um adversarial nature
0: sure mm-hmm. and
1: and and you find yourself in this in the place very naturally that i call the the the, the place of the peacemaker Okay. you're no longer trying to okay i want this and i'm going to get rid of that in order to get it i gotta get rid of these negative emotions you find there aren't any negative emotions they're just feelings running through you and it completely shifts the relationship you have with your own inner world when you do that the doors start opening to go deeper and deeper and deeper within, because you're going past all the demons, all the dragons, all the stuff that you thought was so terrible. Um, they you know, the dragon turns into a puppy dog, you know, the demon turns, in, turn, turns into your chef. <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> I, I, I mean, they get transformed, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, all, all by themselves, because they never were demons in the first place they were angels in the basement. They were, they, were, they were characterized in that way. And you know, I, I, I go to great pains to explain how that all happened and the way the nervous system works and conditioning and all of that. But it, it starts with simply being able to give yourself permission to feel what you're feeling when you're feeling it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you begin to discover the inherent wisdom that cl- can clearly begin to discriminate between what's true and what isn't because the great doubt doesn't leave you in great doubt yeah it's the doorway to the to the tr- to the understanding of true knowledge or wisdom
0: hmm right yeah yeah that, that's very well put it doesn't leave you in <laughs> doubt <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure that there are, are people that are terrified that it will do just that that it will yes. create more doubt and more yes
1: mm-hmm. well, we just have to doubt everything that's dubious we just have to doubt all the things that we believed were true right and the doubting ends in discovering what actually is true and what is true doesn't depend on me believing it or not <laughs> yes,
0: that yeah, excellent, excellent point, and that's where
1: mm-hmm. doubt can end. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you find it's not it's not head knowledge; it's living knowledge. It's it's I am that. Yeah. I am
0: that truth. Yes, yeah, I am, and this is uh, this is very very wonderful. So we've spent some time talking about nothing other than God and spirituality <laughs> and the great doubt and how one goes about true spiritual practice. So, GP, this has been wonderful, and I always look forward to these conversations, because I know we're going to talk about deep stuff, none of this candy ass (laughs) stuff, or as we put it last time, cappuccino spirituality. Yes. Yes, with two (laughs) pumps of raspberry syrup and soy. Please. (laughs) Yeah. And and then for those listeners who did not catch the last couple of episodes of GP here, go back and give those a listen, because we had some fun with that. We We had some fun with the metaphor of of cappuccino. And we're also here to remind you that even if you're able to create and manifest beautiful things, God actually does not care if you drive a Mercedes or if you're going to work on your bike. It's all right. (laughs) Either way, it's all right. It's all right. All right. <laughs> yes. Well, and to find out more than about the yoga of allowing, just allow it, your first digital course, then people will would want to visit gpwalsh.com. It's a beautifully well-organized, well-laid out, website with everything right there, all of GP's course offerings and including some of your own musical compositions, meditations. That's gpwalsh.com. Well, GP, this has been such a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thanks, Tomas.
0: Great to be here yet again. Looking forward to next time. Yes. Next time, GP will be here again twice a month here on Decide to Transform as executive contributor. So everyone, thank you all for tuning in. We hope you got some depth out of this. We're going to bring more depth the next time. So stay stay tuned. All right. Thank you for listening.